Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our Senior Analyst, Pulitzer Prize Finalist, John Brennan, and this is a Gamble On first. We are actually looking each other in the face, in the eyes, as we podcast. We are together in person here at G2E in Las Vegas. Not only is the setup a little different, but you may have noticed I sound a little different, had a cough before I left for Vegas. And that translated into more or less losing my voice, being in Vegas and uh, having to shout over loud noises and deal with the dry air all doesn't help. But that aside, I've been having a great time here at G2E. How about you, John? Uh, I'm trying to. I have more of my voice, I'm proud to say. Uh, well, I, I, It's funny, I, I traveled to the West Coast so often in the 1990s with the NBA, and I always thought jet lag was just a myth, and people talked themselves into problems they didn't need to have. And all the travel I've done over the years, I've never believed in it. And um, now, as of this trip, uh, I can officially concern, confirm that if you live long enough, jet lag will be a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm dreading the trip back to the East yes. Coast and how uh, absolutely worst. useless I'll be for the first <laughs> exactly. day. Exactly. Well, thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 61 of Gamble On. We've passed Ruth. We've tied Maris. Uh, next, we're coming for McGuire, Sosa, and Bonds. If you missed any of our previous 60 episodes... They're all available on SoundCloud and on iTunes and the Apple Podcast app. Please subscribe, rate, and review. And Eric, coming up a little later in the show, we'll be joined by American Gaming Association Senior Vice President of Strategic Communication, Casey Clark, and Senior Director of Research, David Foreman, to discuss the AGA's latest research, which shows that Americans view the casino industry more favorably than ever. So Casey and David will break that all down for us and presumably leave the two of us feeling like we are definitely working in the right <laughs> industry. Uh, but first, it's been yet another busy news week in the world of gambling, out here especially. Uh, so let's get to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. All right, so as noted at the top of the show, we are here at the Global Gaming Expo, G2E. So that is our first news story, is just all things going on here at G2E. We both arrived on Monday night and missed the first day of panels and events, but we've been here for the rest of it. Um, this is my first time at a G2E conference. Uh, not your first rodeo here, John, right. but um, 
curious for some of what you consider the, the highlights so far. I've been somewhat uh, shackled to our, our company's booth doing some brand ambassador work for Better Collective, so I've seen a bit of the panels and walked the floor a little, but you've certainly been more in the trenches than I have. What are some of the highlights to you so far? Uh, well, of course, Governor Christie spoke on Tuesday. Uh, uh, wound up giving me enough for two full-length uh, articles about the gaming industry and what his projections are, predictions, warnings, and all kinds of other things, and he made some insults to your, pet, your native state of Pennsylvania, yeah, but he, did, uh, yes. uh, he was interesting. Also, there's about 30,000 industry people here, and um, you know, judging from a, one of the VIP parties Tuesday night, out of those 30,000, I think roughly 35 to 40,000 of them are European, so I found that was kind of interesting, and they're really tall, I noticed that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, obviously listeners wouldn't know this, but I'm like 5'8 and a half. I don't usually feel tall anyway. I feel especially short out, out here at G2E. It's just strange uh, preponderance of uh, over six foot two inch people walking around here, uh, particularly, I guess, from from the European side of things for whatever reason. But, but you mentioned Christie's comments on Pennsylvania, and I found that very interesting. Uh, he was uh, with, with a rolling dumpster fire, he yes, referred to. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I agree. I mean, obviously, and, and this will be in our second news item, a little uh, spoiler here, we're going to be talking about New Jersey and Pennsylvania revenue numbers for September, so we don't want to get uh, too much into, into the weeds of those right now, but Pennsylvania is off to a decent start, if not a New Jersey-level start uh, on that front. Uh, but the thing that Governor Christie said in particular that uh, I thought was just way off base was where he said, Oh, yeah, Pennsylvania has online sports betting now, but they're not doing it. They're still driving to New Jersey to place their sports bets there. I don't know if he has one or two anecdotal cases he's heard of or what, but from my experience, that is not what's happening. Now that we have it in Pennsylvania, we're doing our sports betting in Pennsylvania, I am hardly ever making any of those trips to New Jersey that I used to have to make. Uh, Well, yeah, it's interesting because if you take the 50-state total in Washington, D.C., if you want to include them, and you may not, but we can, um, Pennsylvania is well ahead of almost every state in terms of their uh, legal-regulated gaming. Um, And yet, if you look at them compared to New Jersey, they seem quite a bit far behind. They still don't have online poker going, for instance. So uh, compared to New Jersey, they don't fare as well, but compared to almost every other state, they do quite well. Right. One, uh, one little side event here that I attended that you didn't was uh, our former uh, Gamble On guest, most popular uh, episode we've ever done of the show, uh, Jeopardy! James Holzhauer yes. uh, was here doing a little a fun little thing where he would take on two challengers at a time, and, <laughs> you know, one, one minute rounds of Jeopardy! basically, but I unfortunately uh, didn't get a chance to chat with Jeopardy! James, but I did get to watch him in action, clicking that buzzer and answering almost all the questions right, including right off the bat they gave him one about professional wrestling, and he said, well, if you're going to keep giving pro wrestling questions these uh these opponents don't have a chance yeah that's that's a very funny and clever promotion because uh uh, most people have no chance at beating him anyway but sort of in a public uh forum and with that pressure on um even the smartest people are going to choke and so i doubt he lost too many rounds (laughs) (laughs) all right so our second story as i already pretty uh pretty well teased is that the september revenue numbers are in for both New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania coming out just shortly before we recorded this, so we haven't had as much time to process it, but I'll run down some of the notable numbers. We'll start with the New Jersey numbers. Uh, Record handle of $445.6 million, which was uh, up 
quite a bit from uh, a year ago, 183.9 million, uh, still short of some expectations. Uh, some people are thinking we would hit half a billion uh, short of the Nevada record. 84% uh, of that handle was online, so we're staying pretty consistent on that. Uh, sports betting revenue was 37.9 million, uh, but still a tad behind online casino revenue in the state, 41.1 million. Uh, FanDuel is still number one, and one of the big things we were looking for was how much the uh, rebranding of BetStars into FoxBet would make an impact in the first month. It hasn't really yet, even though, of course, Fox is lumped in with multiple sites, and it's hard to tell exactly what, how much uh, that site is generating individually. In terms of land-based, uh, Meadowlands is number one, Ocean is number two. Um, and I'll just throw in the notable Pennsylvania numbers as well. Uh, far short of New Jersey, 194.5 million in sports betting handle, but way up from August when it was 83.2 million. 81.2% uh, of that handle is online already, uh, which is 5% more than it was a month ago. Um, and online casino handle also rose this month from 111.8 million to 140 million. So, any surprises in there for you, John? Did you think that New Jersey number was going to be a little bit higher than it came in? Uh, and just any other takeaways from all this data we've got? Uh, well, I, I think one area where Pennsylvania is really probably helping the industry is those uh, that online casino number. Uh, New Jersey's numbers are very healthy and have been for years, um, but now Pennsylvania is a bigger state. You see bigger numbers, and uh, it's going to get harder and harder for, for legislators in other states to ignore the type of revenue that comes in from this. You know, the revenue for the industry is important, and then obviously there's a tax uh, cut of that. So uh, it's not going to solve your pension crisis, but uh, it's real money. I think Ocean being number two really intrigues me um, also. Uh, it reminds me a little bit, you know, their predecessor was Revel, built in 2012 for a couple of billion dollars and closed in 2014 after a couple of bankruptcies. And I remember uh, my nephews had girlfriends uh, and all their friends, they loved the nightclubs in Revel. Like as far as they were concerned, Revel was the place to be in Atlantic City for for 20-somethings at the time. And um, so you had this incredibly doomed business model overall, but they had uh, niches that clearly appealed to a large group. And now you see this with um, uh, with the land-based books too. Ocean, you know, I, I went the last two weekends to all eight of the sports books in Atlantic City, so I got a pretty good view. And Ocean is a very nice sports book, but Borgata does too, and of course that's the industry leader in everything. So I would have thought they might be ahead. And then the one at Bally's Wild Wild West, the uh, Caesars property on the boardwalk, is by far the biggest sports book uh, for in terms of handling hundreds of people at a time. So I'm kind of impressed that Ocean could hang and, and edge out those two overall, but does that mean Ocean Casino Resort long-term is, is a winner? Um, it's not guaranteed either, <laughs> right. so it's kind of a weird parallel to its predecessor, Rebel. Right. Um, and yeah, and on the Pennsylvania side of things, um, I'm maybe a little surprised by how quickly the percentage of online play has gone up, particularly, obviously, September. This was a month we were looking forward to uh, because of football starting, and I might have thought that land-based would do a little better in September. You got all those football Saturdays, football Sundays, uh, a couple of really nice new permanent sports books opened up in Pennsylvania between like late August and early September, um, but 81.2% of handle is, is online already. Uh, it is, of course, a, a much bigger state just area-wise, so even though there are a lot of casinos, 
most of them are either on one side of the state or the other, and there's a vast area in the middle where there aren't casinos with sports books nearby. So, you know, you live uh, in the state college area in the middle of the state or something, you, and you want to bet sports, you don't have an option within a, a couple hours drive. So, uh, I guess in that respect, it makes sense that a lot of people are betting online already. Yeah, I think I credit uh, the Philadelphia people the, that region as well because um, uh, they're interested in sports anyway. They may have been betting. Uh, somewhat not quite legally before um, but they know what's been going on with Jersey for the last year or two. Uh, they've been coming to New Jersey to, to bet um, uh, not necessarily to the casinos in Atlantic City but just over the line and so they knew what they had last year and they knew once it was approved and so this football season was going to be ready and so that's why I think that online number is so big. They they were familiar thanks to New Jersey's example and so as soon as they had an opportunity you can see them pounce on it. Right. All right, uh, our final story here uh, on this week's episode in the news segment uh, actually has a little bit of a tie-in to G2E because you and I attended a panel together yesterday uh, where Gary Bettman and uh, several different uh, operators, CEOs of the sports books, uh, were all up there together talking in part about league and sports book partnerships. Uh, and we got a big one announced this week that uh, Foxbet, is now an MLB-authorized gaming operator. Uh, that is not a unique thing. There is no exclusivity there. MLB already has similar partnerships with MGM, FanDuel, and DraftKings. Fox Bet, meanwhile, already has deals with the NBA and the NFL. NFL. So this is one of those stories that... Uh, had Foxbet, and not that Foxbet existed a year ago, but hypothetically, uh, if Foxbet and MLB uh, had announced this partnership a year ago, it would have been the biggest news of the week. Nowadays, it barely cracks our top three. We had to debate whether to include it. Um, there are just so many of these deals now. Is every single league and every single site, are they all going to have deals with each other pretty soon? Yeah, I think one of our uh, investigative plans should be to figure out who are the biggest companies in this space that are the wallflowers. They're standing in the corner, not ready to dance with anybody just yet, and uh, and we'll kind of goad them into the ring because everybody else is on the dance floor. They might, they might as well, too. Um, I mentioned in a tweet uh, recently uh, the opening game of the Yankees uh, Astro series, the pregame, there was sort of a standing graphic, Fox bet, explaining the money line to bet the Astros or the Yankees in the game. And so um, we were wondering how quickly this uh, gaming, gambling stuff would be integrated to national broadcast given that um, there are so many states that still have not legalized it. And I'm already getting the sense they're not as uh, uh, timid about it as, as I would have expected. And you're talking about the sort of the, the holdouts, the last ones to, to partner up. Well, that did become a, a topic of conversation during that panel yesterday with uh, the Rush Street CEO, uh, Greg Carlin, I believe is yes. his name, um, that you know they have not come out and made these major partnerships yet, but it was uh, he said that they're in talks with three of the different leagues. Gary Bettman was sitting there next to him, basically, wink, wink, we're closing our deal soon, right? You know, so uh, I there won't be too many uh, holdouts before long. Yeah, Russia, NHL is a done deal, I would say. Uh, the other takeaway at William Hill U.S. CEO Joe Asher um, and Matt King from FanDuel as well, and all of the operators mentioned that exclusivity is not a big deal to them at all. Um, they're trying to grow the industry, grow the awareness of the industry, so having uh, rivals, first of all, you just figure, hey, I'm, I'm the better product, so I don't care if I have rivals. That's a good way to look at it from a business standpoint. You can handle competition, but also the more... Uh, 
partnerships there are, the more awareness of legal, you know, uh, King mentioned that, you know, the sad thing within all of this, especially being out here in Las Vegas, is that the typical American does not believe that sports betting is legal outside of Nevada still. Um, which, again, for those of us immersed in this, it's sort of hard to believe. But I think looking at it from 20,000 feet as he was, I think he's accurate. So I think the more partnerships, the better. Even the publicity is helpful. I think you know, that average sort of sports fan who would never, never, never bet illegally and never will, but they, they're starting to get a little bit of awareness of, you know, if it isn't my state, it's probably the neighboring state, and maybe I'll try this after all. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. According to the latest research from the American Gaming Association, 49% of American adults have a favorable view of the casino gaming industry, the highest that number has ever been. How did we get here? What does it mean? And how much higher can that number go? Joining us now to break it all down are Casey Clark, the AGA's Senior Vice President of Strategic Communications, and David Foreman, Senior Director of Research. Casey and David, welcome to Gamble On. Thanks for having us. us. Uh, so let's start with that key figure. It was 45% a year ago, now it's 49%. I'm not surprised by the positive trend, I'm maybe a bit surprised by the steepness of the curve. So what do you guys see as the most important factors in this improved image for casino gaming? and? How big a part do you think specifically sports betting's move into the mainstream is playing? Look, I, I, Dave can speak more more specifically about the numbers, but I think um, if you look at where gaming has evolved, and, and sports betting I think is playing a, a role in it, because I think what you're seeing is the role we're playing in communities is really significant and important, and the more people are exposed to us, the more they understand our business. And so I think what we're seeing is uh, some of the... the, the impressions of the industry are evolving just as the industry has and I think sports betting is just opening up new markets where people are actually seeing that we're not the stereotypical gaming industry that maybe they thought we were so I think it's doing a lot to to help expose who we really are to these to these communities and it's we're seeing the right kind of results from it right yeah you think not that long ago there were really only two states you could gamble in uh, they were at 43 states with casinos or or legal sports betting and almost a thousand casinos uh, across the country you know so I think you know, to Casey's uh, point you know, familiarity breeds uh, you know, positive uh, feelings about the industry right and just in terms of that that steepness that leap from 45 percent to 49 in a single year seems like a lot was that were you guys at all surprised by that uh, or that was kind of where you thought this might land uh, you know I think if you look at the longer term trends I mean it's been going in that direction for a while I mean like the the, the uh, favorability is up you know, almost 60% uh, from about a decade ago, which is you know, quite a leap. Um, so I, I don't think we're surprised that it, it's continuing to go that way, especially as the industry continues to talk about uh, its positive role in the, the communities that we're in and, and the commitment to responsible gaming, uh, and then we'll continue to, to move up. Yeah, I'm kind of curious about the percentage that uh, does not have a favorable uh, impression. Um, you know, being in New Jersey, so eight years ago, my uh, brethren in my state voted overwhelmingly by a two-to-one margin to ignore a federal law that didn't allow sports betting at casinos and <laughs> racetracks. Yeah. Yes, and the, the entire world is, is in the gaming community is thanking us still. Uh, had Unlike casino and online poker for six years now, uh, it's the only state that has um, uh, exchange wagering and horse racing uh, active. Um, and so, uh, as I... I've mentioned before, I grew up in a neighborhood that had a bookie as one of the dads in the neighborhood. So I'm, and even though I'm not much of a gambler myself, 
I, I've grown up sort of immersed in it, and my state is immersed in it, so uh, I don't really understand how much resistance there is. So uh, do you have a number on what percentage are still uh, resistant, and, and do you have any sense of how and why that is? Or? Well, in terms of, I mean, sports betting, we, we put out a survey last year, and I think uh, Seton Hall, I think, I believe it was Seton Hall, just came out with a survey a week or two ago, um, said, you know, something like 80% of Americans are uh, in favor of legalizing sports betting in their state, which I, you know, I was surprised at how high it was um, when we did it, how quickly people have, have kind of gotten over the taboo that many people probably thought was was around the subject and, and embraced it. But like you said, people have been doing it all over the country right. for so long that it's, it's not really a new, new thing. It's an interesting thing when you look at the data because people differentiate sports betting from other kinds of wagering. So they, they think sports wagering is just fine, but if you ask them about gambling, that it's historically been you know, pretty low approval ratings. So I don't think we're surprised by it because we go into these communities all the time to see how people are reacting to what we're doing there. Um, but I do think it's a real positive trend for us. What's the pushback on casinos, that in particular? Uh, there are a lot of people who are still concerned about legal casino gambling. What, what, do you have any sense of what the what the motivations are for the resistance? Or? I don't think there is that much resistance really to gaming anymore. And the other data point that we put out this week uh, is that uh, we're at 85, somewhere between 85 and 90 percent of Americans think that gaming is an acceptable form of entertainment, either, either for themselves or, or for others if they're not personally interested in it. And that number's been pretty high for quite a long time. Um, so I just don't, I think kind of the old notions about crime and, and the sin industry really they don't. They don't apply anymore. They haven't actually applied for quite a long time. We're just in a different business, right? So, we, if you look at, well, I think people do still have a little bit of an outdated stereotype of who the gaming industry is. So, when you go into a community that hasn't had traditional brick and mortar casinos and talk about bringing one in, there's some hesitation there for the, the reasons Dave just mentioned. Um, but the reality doesn't meet that stereotype. So, once we're there, it's a much different story. So that's why you're seeing that kind of metric. Um, but I think it's a really interesting thing for, for people to really understand who we are as a business. Um, and all of that stuff is just not true, right? I mean, they, we are bringing new security, private security forces to, <laughs> with us. So the crime rates aren't going up. In fact, they're going down. Uh, and there's just a lot to what we're doing for, for the communities and bringing jobs and career opportunities and helping small businesses that really make us a great partner for these, for these communities. So another data point that came out of what you released this week was uh, that more people than ever say they expect to go to a casino to gamble over the next 12 months. Um, and that's happening despite the fact that online gaming is on the rise. We're sitting here in the Sands uh, Expo Center, an ironic place uh, to declare that <laughs> online gaming doesn't have a negative correlation to brick and mortar gaming, uh, given who owns this building. Uh, would you say that indeed legal online gaming is proving to be more of a positive than a negative for land-based casinos. I, I, I don't think it's having an impact on, on the visitation of land-based casinos. I mean, it's, it, you know, I was frankly surprised to see that almost half of American adults are going to go to a, a casino um, next year, and that's also been you know, trending up pretty dramatically uh, over the last decade. Uh, but, you know, like we mentioned earlier, the, the ubiquity of the industry now and the access that people have to it um, really is, is amazing to think about. I mean, more than two-thirds of Americans live within an hour drive or 50 miles of a casino um, today. So the industry really is everywhere. It's in community, more communities that, that people realize and, and they're going, not just to gamble, but to, to eat and to go to, to clubs and see shows. Um, so I, I, I don't think it's having a negative uh, impact on, on okay. visiting. And I think if you look at sports betting, you know, you know, if you park gaming, you know, online gaming, 
beyond sports betting for a second. We got into this business because we wanted to get rid of the illegal market, right? It's pervasive, it's predatory, and the only way we're going to do that is if we're offering a competitive product. And so you've seen a lot of success for John in New Jersey. Um, and it's just not the right model for everybody right now. I mean, Mississippi's doing well with their sports betting, and it's largely brick and mortar. So I think the models are just changing you know, based on that, but I think it's important for us to offer customers and who want to bet legally the opportunity to do that in a, in a way that's pretty you know com- comparable to what they're doing now yeah hey, with you guys being based in dc you're you're familiar with the politics i have found it interesting again being from new jersey so delaware is a very similar state in terms of being aggressive and the amount of uh legal gambling they regulated gambling they offer and so in 2013 new jersey and uh, delaware jump in on like poker and on like casino gaming and waiting for dozens of states to follow immediately and it kind of didn't happen. Eric's Pennsylvania uh, kind of has tentatively waded in, and they're going to get any online poker any day now for the past year and a half. Um, but other states are not even close to that, and yet uh, it seems like online sports betting, maybe in Parkers, New Jersey's ridiculous online numbers that showed up again yesterday, uh, that it seems like online sports betting is probably going to be spreading around the country a lot quicker than online poker or online casino, which I guess is good for the industry. Is there any reason why online sports betting is probably kind of in most states going to going to move forward pretty quickly, and then why online poker or online casino are so yeah. taboo? I don't know what the rationale is on a policy side. I think it's just I think it's stereotypes. I think people are nervous about what it would look like if you opened up uh, even intrastate uh, online gaming, uh, which is what we could have. But I, I think people are, ang- are anxious about it. They don't feel the same way about places sports betting. Even though, obviously, for decades, people have been wagering illegally in online poker and online casino and online sports betting. I mean, it's all been there always. It's still there. It's probably never going to go completely away. Um, but the perception is different. And, yeah, I guess you guys have to, especially state by state, you, got, you can't even lobby exactly because every state has their own quirks. And so I guess you're going to... You didn't get a break on online poker and casino because it hasn't really spread, but online sports betting seems like it's going to be very helpful to you, to your group and to the industry in general. Yeah, I mean, it seems actually like the, the sort of the recurring theme of this conversation is that you guys are saying that sort of sports betting is just kind of a separate thing from all the other forms of gambling we have. Yeah. The attitudes toward it are just... It is obviously a form yeah. of gambling, but it's one that people have some sort of ingrained acceptance of? It's because people have been betting on sports for a long time, right? I mean, this is not... The court didn't create a new activity for Americans. They're just giving them an opportunity for states to give them a safer way to do it, right? So I think that part of it is that, and part of it is you're seeing uh, sports betting be welcomed into communities that had no interest in casinos before, right? Tennessee's got no casino gaming. D.C.'s got no casino gaming. Uh, And so I think it's actually a really interesting opportunity for us to to come into those communities, really drive some some real benefits and some revenue for uh, the operators and the states um, through through tax revenue, um, and kind of showcase what it means for for us to be there in partnership with them. Yeah, I mean, I've been dealing with uh, Europeans for many years, as you guys have as well, Mm -hmm. and they're curious as to how 
uh, curious uh, Americans are in terms of gambling <laughs> habits. Uh, you know, one example that, that plays across the country and has for decades is, um, yeah, there's a big resistance to casinos, but if you're, they're going to horse racing tracks for 100 years. And so you can't get a referendum passed to build a casino, but if you put casino gambling into a racetrack, then it's okay, because the racetrack's been there since before they were born, right. and the Republic still stands, and so they figure, well, there's that place I've never been, or I hardly ever go, and that's okay, gambling. And so, you can put all the gambling you want in that building, doesn't matter to me, um, but don't put a new building up, it's kind of taboo, so uh, I'm sure you've had that experience talking to Europeans as well as I have. It's just a remarkable, European casinos are very different than American casinos, right? right? But I think what's, what's amazing about that, and you're totally right, but it's like they've never been to a casino, right? <laughs> and you walk around the sands here, and it's like there's amazing restaurants, there's high-end retail. There, I mean, what you get when you come to these properties is not people's you know view of what it what it looks like, right? So they're going to resist building a casino where you know where Preakness uh, is run at Pimlico, right? But they're going to be you know, it's just an interesting proposition. So I, I totally agree with you, but I think it's just an outdated view of, of what it means to build a property. All right, well, this has been uh, very enlightening for us and for our listeners uh, as well, I'm sure. Uh, Casey and David, thanks so much for coming on Gamble On. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Two men. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. We will get to the Fast Five shortly, but first, we update our betting bankroll, and it was a positive week. Two wins, one loss, one TBD. Uh, John, you made a pair of college football bets. You had Notre Dame minus 10 against USC. The Irish only won by three, so we dropped $110 there, but you also had Duke Georgia Tech over 49 and a half points, and that was already a win at halftime, so uh, we got $100 back on that one. That's a plug for a points bet, by the way. You... <laughs> The more you win against the spread by, the more money you win, and the more you lose by, the more you lose. And once again, if I had made these two bets on points bet, I would have had a nice profit. Right, (laughs) although you would have maybe been disappointed by the scoring in the second half of Duke-Georgia Tech. It slowed slowed down a lot, but yeah. A little bit, so the, uh, our other bet was I bet on Daniel Jones to throw for under 224 and a half yards with almost no weapons in bad weather against the Patriots. Easy money there. We won $100. And as for my boxing bet, I got the dates mixed up in my head. That light heavyweight title fight that I bet on is this Friday, uh, so we'll have that result next week. So in total, we are $90 ahead of where we were last week, still down $397 overall with $2,417 on hold in futures bets, leaving us $7,186 available to bet with this week. And I'm up first, and uh, hey, if it ain't broke, uh, stick with it. Uh, it's yeah. not quite how the saying goes, but uh, uh, I'm three and zero on these Thursday night football player props. So until I lose one, I feel like I have to keep doing yes. them. Uh, so this time we've got the Chiefs and the Broncos playing, and I uh, scanned the various options and I found Tyreek Hill longest reception. The line was twenty nine and a half yards. This is his second game back now. Uh, he played about I think somewhere around half the snaps last time. I assume he'll be back to a full workload this time. He is a deep threat against any team. Denver has a pretty good defense, but Tyreek Hill is always a threat to bust one and go deep. So uh, I think it's uh, quite a bit more likely that he will uh, get a reception of 30 yards or more than that he won't. So uh, that was a minus 108 price on that. So I'm taking 
Longest reception, over 29 and a half yards, risking $108 to win $100. Uh, come through for me, Tyreek Hill. I'm going to go Oregon, minus 12.5 versus Washington, 110 to win 100. Um, I like this type of team where they lose their opener and they're kind of forgotten. They won five in a row since then. I think they're underrated now. Um, Openers can always be uh, strange birds. So uh, if you take that out, they'd be giving a lot more than 12.5. So I am taking it out. I like that. Okay. Uh, for my next bet, I'm going to do an NFL money line bet. Um, I've been finding a lot this season that these uh, small road dogs have been doing great. A lot of upsets from these road teams that are underdog of two and a half, four, five and a half points, anywhere in that range. Uh, and we got one here with the Saints uh, at Chicago. I don't even, if, if I were setting the line on this game, I'd have it pretty close to even money. I'm not even sure I'd consider the Saints an underdog, but they are, and they're plus 146 on the money line. Uh, I like them to go in there. I just think they're the superior team. Yeah, they may be due for a slip-up after playing well a few weeks in a row, um, but I just think they're better than uh, the Bears, so I'm betting $100 to win 146 on New Orleans. I think that's going to be my favorite one of these four picks, including my upcoming oh, okay. pick. But right. I like I love that one. But uh, Arizona State plus thirteen at Utah. Uh, Herm Edwards is not exactly talking playoff at this point <laughs> for for his team, but um, uh, their offense can really score, and I think uh, that's just too big a line. All right, so we close things out now with the Fast Five, uh, where we both got the Patriots-Giants game right last week. Uh, we split our two head-to-heads, and uh, we both ended up finishing 3-2 and two on the week. So you're now 16-13-1, and one, and I'm 14-15-1, and one, and it is your turn to go first this week. Okay, here we go. Dolphins plus 17 against Buffalo. Um, the Bills don't score a lot of points. I know the Dolphins are bad. I know they even lost to the Redskins at home last week. but um, And I know management and ownership wants them to lose every game. <laughs> yes. But players are players, and they're playing for their future and uh, to play in the league in 2020, and they're not going to quit. And I think getting the full 17 makes me comfortable. Um, next, Lions plus one against the Vikings. Um, I, I, I wavered only in that. It's so tempting to see how badly the Lions got screwed uh, on Monday night. Governor Christie and I watched this on the plane on the way out here in Las Vegas Monday night. Um, seeing how uh, you know terrible it was, it's tempting to say the Lions deserve a win or they're going to be so fired up. And I'm trying to set all that aside. Um, and I'm a little worried about their run defense against the Vikings. But uh, I think overall their defense is good enough. They'll, they'll kind of uh, kick Kirk Cousins around. So uh, third one... Uh, Oakland plus four and a half against the Packers. That again, playing off that game, the Packers have no offense. Um, it was a lot of flukiness involved, obviously, in that win. Um, they're the worst five and no, five and one team I can remember in years. I don't understand the Raiders at all. I just don't get it. Um, but they pretty much have not shown that they're the terrible team that we thought we were, we thought they were. So uh, four and a half looks good. And I've got the Ravens plus three against the Seahawks. I mentioned last week, I don't believe in Seattle. Um, they were down 15 to Cleveland in the second quarter. And um, the Browns, by the way, have a terrible head coach again. <laughs> yes. It's the only reason they lost the game. So the Seahawks aren't that good. Another paper tiger. And finally, the Patriots minus 9.5 at the Jets on Monday night. Um, am hooked in by the little hook there. Uh, the 10-point win gets me there. Um, I watched enough of the Jets-Cowboys game. You talk about a fluke. I mean, first of all, they're hanging on for dear life at the end to win. But um, 
they they're just not that good. And the Patriots do get bored in these games. You get worried a little bit, but with nine and a half, you're not going to just let off the throttle being up ten or fourteen. It's not a seventeen or a twenty point spread where they can uh, gladly give up a late uh, last minute touchdown. Uh, nine and a half is close enough that they're going to have to focus on it. Okay. Uh, solid picks. We have one in common and one where we are butting heads. Oh, I love that. Um, and then the <laughs> one that I'll just comment on that I stayed away from, but I do like your side of it, is the Oakland game just because I might not have taken believed in the Raiders in that one until I saw the news uh, this morning that uh, among Rodgers' wide receivers, Devontae Adams still out, Marquez Valdez-Scantling will be out, Geronimo Allison will be out. Yes. <laughs> They're basically like uh, call, calling around, seeing who's available to uh, come in off the street. So, um, All right, so uh, I'll start with one uh, that you didn't uh, pick, which is I like the Colts minus one uh, at home against uh, the Texans. Um, I think these teams are pretty evenly matched, but the Colts are coming off a bye. They have that nice long week to prepare for this game. Um, and again, they're the, they're the home team, and they're not getting that typical like three-point uh, spread at home. So I'll take Indy uh, in that one. The one that we have in common, I'm with you. I'm uh, taking my chances on the Dolphins. But uh, 17 points against a Bills team that doesn't score at such a prolific rate. This isn't Miami uh, at New England or Miami at a real powerhouse. It's Miami at Buffalo. Bills are a perfectly solid team, but 17, just too many points. I'm right with you. Now, I didn't take New England minus 9.5. I will take another team minus 9.5, and that's the San Francisco 49ers there. Uh, Getting that same hook that you got with New England, minus 9.5 at Washington. Uh, who proved themselves to be probably the second worst team in the league last week. I'm not totally convinced that the Niners are for real, but I do think they'll win by 10 or more at Washington. Our head-to-head game is Seattle and Baltimore. Um, I think I, I believe in the Seahawks a little more than you, and I'm pretty skeptical of the Ravens. Uh, so uh, who knows? We may we may end up pushing that one. Certainly possible that we'll yeah. get the exactly uh, three-point yep. win for Seattle, but I'm on the Seahawks side. And my last one... Going in line with uh, with my uh, money line bet uh, earlier, uh, getting three and a half points with the Saints at Chicago. I love that. Um, so I am taking the Saints plus three and a half. Uh, so uh, there we go. We'll see how we do this week, and that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening, and thanks again to our guests Casey Clark and David Foreman of the AGA. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan. Follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling. And subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. And with that, John, I get to look into your eyes and listen to your <laughs> words of wisdom in person. Please take us out. Uh, yeah, Eric, I'd say this is my fourth time being out in Las Vegas on business. And uh, it's a weird place to be on business, frankly. It's a weird place to be anyway, but <laughs> yes. particularly weird if you're on business. And one thing I've learned on this trip is that, um, you know, if you're not a big gambler like me, you're not a big shopper like me, um, you're not a big foodie like me, um, and you're not, uh, at this point, uh, looking to drink the excess of any great <laughs> Lent, um, what do you do? And I found that um, if, you, if you look around the casino, there's so many places to poke in and out. You know, by 8 p.m., 11 o'clock Eastern, uh, you know, just just sort of get away from everything. Get away from the business. Get Even get away from colleagues. Just get away. And uh, you can find some nooks and cranny places. The, the music's uh, quiet. Uh, you can get a bar stool. Just sit there. And whether you're ordering a, a couple of shots of tequila or a, an IPA or a Diet Coke or a bottled water, it doesn't matter. That's all the same. The point is just sit there, take a deep breath, just take everything in. 
And um, I find doing that really lowers the sort of the blood pressure because it's kind of an intense place regardless of what you're doing. And then I find myself walking back to the room in peace, and I've gotten a couple of good nights sleep the last two nights, I must say. <laughs> well, I, I cannot say the same, but I'm glad you did. Exactly. So, uh, everybody, until next time, gamble on. <laughs>